Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabret. Hello to you both. Hi, Sarah. Hello. I need my eyes checked, Cheryl. You've worn your brooch today and I'm looking across the desk going, oh, it's a penguin. David, you can see closer. What penguin. is it? <laughs> it's a fish. Penguin, right. Mm. Glasses for you, Sarah. I'm thinking there's mm. not many penguins around. Where are we going with this one? Okay. It's a fish. Ah. Oh. Oh. Okay. it's out of water. Ah. Mm-hmm. A lot of animals are out of water at the moment. Absolutely. So that's what we're going to be touching on today, helping those animals that live in your yard. Really important one. And David, what are we looking at later on today? I thought you were talking about Sarah's start to the show. Oh, what, what, what was that? Fish out of water. Oh, come on. I thought it was okay. Penguins out of water. (laughs) (laughs) I was here two weeks ago. I didn't get a chance to talk about a topic um, and I wanted to talk a very interesting niche micro topic of dental x-rays. Dental x-rays. They're they're happening more and more now. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. We can do that. We can make that happen. Now, Cheryl, you're wearing your fish out of water brooch today because... It's so important to be leaving water for our native wildlife as well as our pets, obviously, and looking after them. That's right, Sarah. We all put our water out for our cats, our dogs, our chooks and our birds. But we've now got to start thinking about those little critters that live in our backyard, all of those things that you may not even be aware that come to visit the yard. At the moment, no doubt everyone has noticed how dry their gardens are. Everything is really, really parched. Um, my garden, when you walk on the grass, it's just crunchy underneath. Oh. Everything is dying. If it's not dying, it's already dead. But what we need to do is think about with these water restrictions and the fact that often um, I know for myself, I would watch the magpies going under the sprinkler and having a nice bath or a shower under yeah. the sprinkler. Yep. So that's not happening anymore with the water restrictions. So I'm urging everybody to go out and put some little water stations out for the birds, for the lizards, and also the possums, all those critters that you just know live in your surrounding um, you know, area that come into your yard. So if you're putting out some different shaped water containers, make sure that you, if they're um, too deep that you're putting a brick or some rocks in the base of this because that's really important, David. Some mm. animals can drown in water. Well, I was just thinking when you said lizards. Yeah. And- they're going to want access to shallow, shallow and some, dishes. maybe even putting a dish and kind of sip, just taking it down under the level of the soil. Yeah. So and that pie they can dishes access. are great yes. for that. You know, the yes. old aluminium pie dishes? Yeah. They're fantastic. If you put those down, or enamel is actually better, but you put mm-hmm. the enamel pie dish down low and then you can have that, um, you know, sort of reserve for the um, for the, the smaller birds and also for the lizards to go down That's and drink idea. from that. Also, terracotta pot bases are a great thing as well because they don't get knocked over. But, David, we need to empty the water bowls regularly because birds can transmit diseases to other birds, can't they? Yeah, this this is kind of the big problem with this idea is what will happen is that it will cause animals to congregate and increase the risk of disease transmission. Mm. And obviously there'd be some animals that might be heat affected, animals that may have um, even had some burns. Uh, and so we're going to see this congregation increase that risk. So I think a very important thing Cheryl, which you touched on, is it's not you don't just put out one water source. You need to make have sure you have, if you're going to do that, put out as many as you can. Yeah. yeah. So that uh, at least the animals might have a chance to spread out. So yeah. we we want to help them, but we don't want to 
you know, increase the risk that they're going to pick up some other disease. Yeah, and I think too another thing that my family are always going crook at me about is that they think I'm breeding all the mosquitoes for Newcastle because I've constantly got out water <laughs> oh, containers. Oh, wonder where they come from. Uh, yeah, it's my place. But no, you do need to empty them out. Yes. So you can empty those onto your plants, keep your plants alive because this is yeah, another important thing. Yes. But making sure that the, these animals and, you know, there's just so many. The birds are all sitting with their beaks open. They're all, you know, really struggling. So it's very important that we do have different things out for them. You know, if, you, if you're thinking about something to buy um, for, for a friend or a family member, a bird bath is a great thing for Christmas. That helps out a lot of other birds. It's a really good animals. idea, Cheryl. So I think it's, it is important that we all look at um, just what we can do in our own backyard. Certainly um, from a plant perspective, we need to be making sure that we're planting more natives at this time, plants that are more you know, tolerant to drought because our birds and our bees are relying on having those mm. things to eat. And in drought season, the um, the amount of available uh, vegetation for these animals to live on is being reduced. So we need to so certainly try to help them as much as we can. It's critical at the moment for bees that we have got enough flowers and pollen around. So these things I think we need to really consider just what we can do in our own backyard, how we can actually help. And they're not major changes or major things we're doing, but no. little things that make a big difference in the long run. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure there's lots of animal lovers and plant lovers out there who can do their little bit. And if everybody helps, it really will um, will help the little animals that are, are struggling out there. Because a lot of animals will change their um, environment because there's not enough water where they've been living. So for me, where I live opposite a bush, we're finding a lot more birds in our yard because there's sources for them to go to. Mm. And grasses, I mean, grasses normally where they being able to feed on grass seeds that's not available to them either so it really is quite a problem thank you very much some really good thoughts there cheryl 49216216 if you've got a question today we are talking pet chat now we've actually had jade uh, send us an email via our website david and you can do that as well too and urfm.com go to pet chat she has a nine-year-old malamute that she feels is throwing tantrums whenever she leaves the house he was a rescue she's been with them for three years she he works from home for most of the week, so he's normally right. around people. Um, but she thinks that the behaviour's been getting worse the last few weeks when they do leave the house. And he's doing things like going through the bin, um, but he's increased stealing and chewing up clothing, um, you know, defecating in walkways outside the house. So just doing some of that behaviour that isn't as social. So this is interesting because he's though, he's been there for three years and this behaviour's only just recently started to occur yeah uh and jade made a comment there that she's working from home so i'm wondering whether that's been one of the changes that she is doing more work from home that might change that dynamic a little bit as well the other thing about malamutes a lot of our dogs obviously are used to being in packs and to having that social environment that's where their you know behavior originates from um and so if this behavior is occurring when um, her dog thinks that she's leaving or when she has left, then it could represent a separation anxiety. Mm, sounds um, like it a little bit, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, the toileting and everything inappropriately is kind of a really good marker for that. Again, making sure there's no health problems. Uh, but if, you know, if it's normal, then um, not normal behaviour, but normal physiology, then I would be thinking that it is a separation anxiety and how we respond is really the key here. So if all the attention is going to your dog when they misbehave, then they're just going to continue to misbehave. 
So we have to give them attention at other times when they're doing things that we want them to do and that we isolate them uh, if they do misbehave, if they're inappropriate, toileting, things like that. We isolate them away so they can't see us. We can clean up the area. We might want to use some of the um, deodorizers that uh, you can get that are pet-friendly that kind of neutralize the smell. That's often very important. A lot of people will use ammonia and things like that to mm. clean up. Good at cleaning, but they do leave a very strong nitrogen smell, which could encourage a repeat of that behavior. And obviously with these things, they're habit-forming. Yeah. And yep. so you know, we, do, we do want to get on top of it early and quickly. Um, the other thing is, and I'm interested that we haven't had this question before, is about people working from home. You know, we hear about this flexible um, workplaces and remote workplaces, and it only struck me when I've read the email that I thought, yeah, hang on, wait, we, I would expect to hear this question a bit more. Mm. So the dogs, uh, you know, we used to go off to work, eight to five, nine to five, dog would be on its own all day, and I'm not saying that's great, um, but now that we're working from home, maybe the dog's like, oh, my gosh, this is like holidays all over again, all the time. Yeah. But, of course, you know, you have to sit down and get at the computer or whatever it is. You're doing video ch- conferencing. Your attention's diverted and from the dog. T- your dog is going to be trying to demand attention. And they don't understand. You're in the house. How come you're not playing? Well, this nine-year-old Malamute um, was trying to get that attention today because um, he actually urinated uh, in Jade's workspace today. There you go. There you go. You can't get more obvious than <laughs> you that. Can, no, no. Yeah, that is look at me. <laughs> exactly. Look at me. Oh, dear. Well, some good advice so, there. So the yeah. first step is to... So we need to, um, when these events happen, is to take uh, the dog away and then get it cleaned up, use a neutralising agent to clean up and hopefully remove some of the smell I would probably suggest restructuring the workday to allow some time to spend with the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're going to remain working remotely, working at home, then you know you might have to find, we've talked about the Kongs with frozen food inside them. It's a really good way for your dog to be kept occupied all day. And particularly when she's leaving the house, because it sounds like it's when she leaves that's the real issue there. Yes. And in some dogs that where this behavior escalates, we do need to consider medication. But if you give them activity, give them attention when they do what you want them to do, don't give them attention when they misbehave, you can often turn those things around. Welcome to the show, Diane. You're in Morpeth. And a question about a ring-necked parrot. Yes, I have, David. Um, I have a ring-necked parrot. I was away for about an 18 months ago. I had to go away for about a month, and I had friends um, minding him. Mm-hmm. When I come home, he's plucked all his feathers out. So at the moment, he's looking like a little um, bird with um, like a fur coat on. He hasn't touched his head because he can't reach there, but I just wonder what's going on. I think it's a, a stress complaint, but I just wonder what to do with him. So this happened 18 months ago? Or? About 18 months ago. I've had him on yes. um, drops in his water and he gets the feathers back to a certain degree and then they don't seem to grow any further. Mm. Feather picking in birds is incredibly complex. Um, yep. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the general approach is to, uh, I would suggest, be, you need to speak to a vet experienced in avian medicine and right. uh, for a proper workup, because we often right. need to do blood tests 
oh, um, to make sure there's nothing like you know liver disease oh, okay. um, and other problems, infections, things like that. Sometimes we'll find they do actually have skin problems as a cause of it, but more likely we see skin problems as a result of their feather picking. Right. So the, yep. the feathers have an incredible... Uh, birds, are, birds are fascinating. The feathers actually play a role in their immune system by uh, the feather dust and the way that the feathers interlock. They keep bacteria and parasites and so on away from the skin. Right. Um, which kind of makes sense that if you're a bird, you want to be as light as a feather. Yeah. Um, and so you don't want to carry around extra immune cells if you don't have to. Um, so we walk around, we've got a big spleen, for instance, we've got all sorts of lymph nodes all over our body, which help fight off infection. Birds don't have the same degree of immunity. So their skin is incredibly important and the feathers play an active role. Now, we do see uh, parasites, as I mentioned, we do see bacteria, we do see nutritional problems can cause uh, this sort of problem with their feathers. And once we've ruled out all of those things, then we look into behaviour because it it does become a lot harder. I mean, if you, for instance, if you've got a bird that's got liver disease as part of its feather problems, then um, you need to treat the liver disease. Oh, okay, Okay. fine. But if if we rule everything out and we say, well, it's behavioural, then, and a lot of them are, a lot of them are behavioural, then... I think he's he's fretted for me. I honestly do. Because when I come back, he was kind of, you know, different, oh, I'm happy to see mum kind of bird, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I I think it's, yeah. yeah. Some of these, once we get them onto a good diet, we need to do some blood tests, as I said, maybe look at some of the skin. Uh, Then we actually move on to behavioural therapy. And there is a whole range of things. It really depends on the individual bird, actually what's happening um, but a lot of it does, as you say, relate to, you know, the separation idea. We were talking yep. about that with Jade's dog earlier. Birds, oh, right, yes, Yeah, birds yes. do the same thing. Yep. Um, so I would suggest if you speak to your local veterinarian, they should be able to refer you to someone who uh, does just a bird medicine, and there are a few vets around the area that would be able to help you with that. Thank you, Diane. Let's go to Sue now. Sue, you're in Valentine, and a question for Dr. David Tabret about your staffy. Yes, hi, David. Um, hi. Just, hi. I've got a nine-year-old staffy and a one-year-old um, labradoodle. So my question is, uh, my staffy, as of two years ago, started becoming terrified of storms. Prior to that, and nothing that I know has ever happened to her, um, but... If she hears a storm, obviously we don't have them just at the moment, but when I'm just thinking coming up to summer, mm-hmm. um, she it's like she hyperventilates. She can, like, you know how dogs hear them a long way away before, you know, we yes. even know they're on the ground. I just don't want her teaching my pup because I had this in the previous scenario with another two dogs, yes. um, one yes. teaching the other one. And I cannot, she cows under, she's a very strong dog. This one, and um, she's a large female, and there's nothing stopping her. It's just, yeah. I was just wondering if there was anything. I've tried running um, music, or you know, the noise of thunder. I've yes. done all that that type of thing. I've done the thunder jackets. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good I'm, idea. I'm at a loss. <laughs> so, th- look, this is a very common problem, and um, obviously very topical with the weather that we're going to experience. Uh, mm. If not already, over the next couple of weeks, we'll see a lot more of this sort of thunderstorms and so on. And yeah. um, 
any Her dog. Her heart just races, you know. Oh, it's yeah. terrifying. And oh, um, yeah. yeah, any dog can experience this. And as you said, once it starts, it just seems to reinforce, primarily because the severity, if you like, of the or the actual trigger is so distinctive and so disruptive. Uh, you know that really brings on that severe anxiety response. The thunder shirts are um, really good with this sort of problem. As you said, if you've tried that and it hasn't had the effect, I often think what you need to do is it's not just one thing. We need to, we do this and we do this and we do this. So one of the things we often talk about with people is giving your dog a safe space to hide, Mm. okay, because it is a fear response and if they feel safe, then that will help. And it might just take the anxiety down a few notches and then they've got a thunder shirt on and that takes the, no- the fear response down a few notches more until they get to the point where you say, okay, they'll go and hide, they've got that, they might pant a little, but they're not running around and looking terrified or you know defecating in the house or things like that. So if yeah. you can just work on having a safe space, now when we allow the dog to go into that space so it might be you you need to have a cover over the top like a little cubby uh, that would be made or a bed um, where they can hide preferably not under someone's bed I think that gets a bit difficult because you can't really keep an eye on them but um, just lead them into there give them a treat to stay in there and then we move away from them and just let them be on their own as I said the uh, jackets are good and yeah. in some of these dogs, there is medication that can be used to help get them through the, the short-term concerns. So they don't need to be on stuff for a long time. Okay. So, mm. Yeah, it's a, a tricky one, but some good suggestions there. Thank you, Sue. Let's go to Ken now in Ellamore Vale. A question about your German Shepherd, Ken. Yes. Um, how are you, David? Um, I got him when he was six months old. Um, he's 17 months old now. And I've mm-hmm. noticed the last week or so that he's uh, he's like he's uh, fleeing me. He's giving me little nips, like but like it's, I'm being fleed now. Dogs flee themselves. Yes. And it's well, he's doing that to me uh, when I'm patting him. Or is that a domination thing? Or well, how could why would he be doing it? It's only just started. So some. W- we don't necessarily talk about dog behaviour in terms of domination as such because it's, okay. a, very, it's a very dynamic situation. Yeah. And exactly as you said, like, you know, it's only just started. So there is uh, some changes that have happened. Now, that could be just internally, like he's gotten a bit older. Is he de-sexed? Yeah. Yes. He is? Yeah, okay. He, yes. Oh, he was and I got him de-sexed. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's um, good. When I got him, um, yeah, it's just that he—it doesn't hurt. It's just that as I'm patting him, he'll put his head on my chest or whatever, or on my leg and on my shorts, and he'll just start nibbling. You know, like yeah, like he's flying or something. Well, the the concern is like as you said, if it doesn't hurt, but the problem is that the next time he gets a little bit stronger, or he does it to someone who's got thin skin or to yeah. a child and so yeah. you know what just seems a little bit oh that's a bit irritating annoying but no real worry turns out to be a big worry yeah. um so again we were talking before about you know providing distractions and providing <laughs> that your dog rewarding your dog for good behavior yeah. okay so we don't punish them for bad behavior 
but we no. do reward them for good behaviour. We yep. can take them to a time-out area for a short time, but what we want them to do is to, you know, if he starts to do it, get him to sit for you and then give him a treat so that he's yeah. immediately distracted. Yeah, um, okay. You know, smacking dogs or no. uh, throwing chains or something, particularly at this age, just won't work. Yeah, what you need no. to do is reinforce the good behaviour. Yeah, okay, sweet. No worries. All right. Okay. Good on you. Thank Thanks, you. Ken. Thanks, Cheers, Ken. Bye. Lorraine from Corlett, you've got a question about your daughter's fox terrier. That's correct. Um, he's seven years old, and uh, what is happening is he um, gets up in the morning and he pees around the legs of the chairs and the tables, and normally he goes outside. But in the last uh, few months now, he's just been doing this naughty business, and I'm just wondering why. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, these dogs, eh? This is, this is the theme today, Sarah. Yeah, naughty pups. Inside. Well, hang on a sec. Not seven naughty. Year old, seven-year-old is not a pup. Oh, no. adolescent. Um, well, well beyond adolescence. <laughs> I was trying to, to get him off the hook slightly. Oh, dear. Um, Lorraine, boundaries uh, – and, you know, it's it's beyond – this is not like uh, house, you know, training. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This, this is beyond that. Right. Um, so presumably he knows how to hold onto his bladder for another yes. 10 minutes. Yes. Yes. Um, and he's just becoming either A, it's attention-seeking, or right. B, it's just like, well, you know, I'm equal here and I'm okay with whatever happens. I'll just right. pee wherever I like. Oh, right. Um, so, Cheryl, what do you yeah, reckon? Yeah, he's I've... really claiming territory. Yeah. I think what you've got to do is, as soon as he wakes up of a morning, take yes. him straight out to go to the toilet. Outside, right. clean up the areas where he has urinated yes. with some yes. enzyme um, breaker. Yep. So we that have you, done that. You've yes. done that. That's really yes. good. But I think you need to make sure. Is he desexed? Yes, he is. Yep, good. One of the things that I think you've got to do is break the habit, and the only way you're going to do that is by being consistent and taking him outside straight away when he wakes up to go to the toilet. And even if you put him on a lead to take him out and get him to do his business and then release him to bring him back inside. You've got to take take him out on a lead. Leash, yep. Do you give him a treat? Once yes. he does his way outside or not, David, um, is that should you? Or you can, can do you can that. praise him. Yeah, yeah you can do yeah, both. You can praise if, him. If, if she's inside having a cup of tea and that, he'll do it, you know, while she's there. Yeah, I'd, mm. I'd be making sure that he goes out and we start changing the either the smell with regard mm-hmm. to the neutralising, so on. Um, right. Whether it's powder or a wash. Look, I was going to say something too. Is yeah. like when I get up in the morning, if I think my dog is uh, mm-hmm. either urgent or mm-hmm. he's misbehaving, now she hasn't done this for a while, I'll take her out to do a wee before I yep. go right. to do a wee. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. It's yeah. that moment you've got to you've get got there. You've got to get there. Which is so hard early. to do because I wake up busting. Oh, look, I know. Yeah, yeah I realise that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Lorraine, another thing that you might want to try is mm. actually minimising the amount of space that you give the dog in the house. So actually going mm-hmm. back to the really basics of, of when you've got a young puppy, not yeah. letting them have the run of the whole house, making it that they can only yeah. have a room at a time so that they become trustworthy, that you can then allow them to move into the extra space. You know, the, okay. the other right, thing I was, I was thinking about was um, getting some DAP spray. Yes, absolutely. So there's, yeah, it's called DAP. 
Right, because we went to the um, we went to the uh, uh, the dog thing and we got some spray and we have used that, but still does it, you know. Yeah, the DAP is um, a, fer- DAP. a pheromone, DAP. Um, yes. It's moderately expensive, but you know mm. you'll save on cleaner after you get it. Um, okay. And what it is, it's actually calming for the dog, so right. that when they get up and this, and you only need to spray it like once a week. Um, okay. And that when they get up, then they feel okay. This this place is fine. Yeah. And I started by saying boundaries, and I think Cheryl's just emphasised that. Yeah, Let's yeah. put some boundaries back on what rooms he can go into. Right. Not as punishment, just as we're controlling this space. Okay. Right. Well, I'll try that. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the information. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Lorraine. Four nine two one six two one six is our number. We have a couple of minutes left. If you want to get a call in, we do have a line for you. Leonie in Minmai, you've got some native birds in your garden. Yeah, we get all kinds of native birds, but um, in, in particular, we get um, some beautiful king parrots, and they come around looking for my tomatoes. Which, you know, king king parrots, I'd be happy for them to eat off my plate. But yeah, um, Aren't they do, yeah, yeah. But I, I do use tomato dust and and some insecticides. I want to make sure that they're okay. To you know, or what kind I should perhaps be using if that is going to harm them. So tomato dust, my I'm not a gardening person, but my recollection is that it is uh, one of the... um, It's an insecticide. And Mm -hmm. um, generally, I would say it would be okay just because of the amount that they're going to ingest would be fairly small, um, particularly as part of their whole diet. Now, if, for instance, you had actually applied that and then the birds come in straight away and they don't leave for the next hour that might be a concern. Okay. So whether you need to put up some netting for a day or two uh, after you've applied any of these products just to limit the access, but um, overall I, they just wouldn't ingest enough, really. Okay, good. Yeah, just, just a bit concerned about it. As I was picking tomatoes this morning, there was another couple with bite marks, so oh. thought I'd check. <laughs> Yeah, maybe some netting might be the I, way I, to go around that. I would do that, that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I would put up some netting. and yeah. um, As you say, you like to have them in, in the yard and they'll probably come and chew the netting. But so. <laughs> we could try. I, honestly, yeah. the, amount, the amount of um, insecticide they're going to ingest would be microscopic. Yeah. And, Leonie, just on that, you can get um, like plastic netting, um, not the wire netting so it's like plastic sheeting that they put around native plants when they're trying Mm -hmm. to propagate them and that actually stops the birds, the smaller birds from getting caught in the wire netting Oh, that plastic plastic netting it is, yeah. Oh, there you go Awesome, good advice. All right, I'll look out for it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Leonie. Leonie, thank you. Now, David, we've only got about five minutes left of the show, but we did want to mention dental x-rays before we go. I, um, as you know, I've worked in emergency medicine for last, feels like a career, <laughs> 17 years. And that is a um, it is, it is. Um, you can't tell by the grey hair. But <laughs> I, was, I was visiting a friend recently, a vet friend in his clinic, and he was doing some surgery. And he said, Oh, we'll take an x ray during surgery. 
and they pulled out this thing. It looked like a little camera. Oh, wow. And it was actually a dental x-ray unit. Now, they, were, they actually weren't x-raying teeth. They were x-raying a bone that they had just pinned. Um, and it came up within about 30 seconds on the computer. They've taken... The, so it's just a, a little gadget that little you can camera. store somewhere yeah. and bring it, it out gets and point, go... pointed at the... Oh. They all get out of the way, so there's, you know, no radiation. Yep. Um, sorry, not ray, x-rays. Um, and then 30 seconds later, it's up on the screen and they said, yep, that looks good. So it just highlighted to me, I think, that this thing about dental x-rays, first of all, they're more common and we, you know, know for ourselves, if you go to the dentist, they're very often going to say, look, we, your teeth look good, but we need to have a look, you know, under the gum, yeah. in the bone, see what's going on. So you'll often get dental x-rays done. And we can do that with pets now. And so I've been looking into this. They, um, first of all, more and more clinics are, are getting access to this technology. As I said, it's shrunk down to the size of a camera. Handheld, And what happens is it means that your pet, we can see the pathology that's occurring because the thing about dental disease is it's not just the smell. Yep. It's not just the, the, the gums looking red, those sort of things. Or, and a lot of people say, oh, but my dog eats well or my cat eats well. Yeah, they do because otherwise they would starve mm. and they don't sit there and point at their mouth. And go, this hurts. All they do is they move the food to the other side. Uh, and they'll keep eating. So it's important to have regular checkups, you know, once or twice a year. And you'll find now when you go in, if they do need dental cleaning, oftentimes the the vet, vet might say, look, we could do an x-ray. I think we need to have a look underneath the gum mm. and look at the bone because it's the bond between the tooth and the bone, which is called the periodontal ligament. And that is where we see problems. And when you get disease in that area... It's incredibly difficult to treat. Uh, and sometimes your pet will lose teeth if we don't get onto it early. So there are some key things that we can look at on the x-rays. We'll see areas of little black lucency, which uh, tells us that there could be an infection there. And we need to be more aggressive with the dental treatment, with the cleaning, sometimes change of diet. But we kind of have to get that information early on. By doing dental x-rays. So th- it's something, so back in the day that probably wasn't done as much. You'd think, oh, right. you know, I can't do that. It's, Teeth it's fall involved. out. Yeah, whereas now I guess it's more accessible and affordable. But it's also back in the day, dogs didn't live as long That's as true. they do now. That's true. And back in the day, I remember we, we used to see dogs with heart disease and kidney disease caused by dental problems. Oh. We just don't see that as much because we're looking after them better all through their life. And now we've got another way. And pe- look, pe- this is not just a new thing. People have had dental x-ray machines for quite a long period of time, but the technology means they've shrunk. We don't have to process them with chemicals. We can store it in the images, you know, can come up. They can send them to you on your mobile phone. So have a look at your dog's <sighs> teeth. Crazy. So stay on top of it because, as you said, it's something you you want to pick it up early because a lot can be done if you, you find something early. If it progresses, it does get harder. Mm. And just back to the story I said but with my friend doing surgery, what we used to do with that dog, or it was actually a cat, was we used to have to take the cat out of the surgery into the x-ray room because we've got this big machine take and then go back to the surgery. Yeah, yeah. Now we do it there and it's so much faster means the cat's under anaesthetic for a shorter period of time, means the surgery goes so much better. 
It's it's fantastic. That is amazing, the technology. Very interesting stuff. Look, that's all we've got time for today. Cheryl Shaw, thank you for coming in and talking to us about looking after our wildlife, particularly at this time <laughs> of the year and these awful bushfires. And, David, thank you for coming in and telling us about x-rays. Thank you. And answering all those questions as well. I forgot about that. Mm. You've been a little bit busy. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>